welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. So welcome back to the Prosper Project. I'm so excited to talk with you today and have my very special guest, Mary Lou Andre with me. Mary Lou is really an interesting individual. She is an executive coach, an entrepreneur, a mentor, and she is an expert at looking good. She actually started her first business 30 years ago by selling her wedding gown. So we are going to dive in right there because I, for one, have to hear that story. Welcome, Mary Lou. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Everybody loves that story. And it is a true story. My goodness, I was not brought up in an entrepreneurial family. And when I started my business, my first business is wardrobe consulting. The word stylist wasn't even around back then. You were an image consultant, a wardrobe consultant. Yeah, but the stylist was uh, someone that dressed the windows. And now that word, it, it took a while for us to even get our heads around that word, but now it is stylist. But I started back when it was really image consulting, fashion consulting. And my background is I have a degree in journalism and fashion marketing. And right out of school, my last corporate job, I worked for the old Jordan Marsh. I am from the Boston area, the New England area. Some of your listeners yeah. might that brand, but I was there right before it closed. And I, yes, and I worked for an amazing woman. I think I was a little bit naive about retail. I thought I landed my dream job when I went to work for Jordan Marsh. And there was a senior I reported to the only female executive in the whole company, uh, Karen. And she was the senior vice president of marketing. And I was doing PR. And part of my job was to get her in front of the camera, Lorraine. Oh, so my goodness. I would pitch the media the old school way. There was no internet. I would get on the phone and I got her some incredible interviews. And then I would go down on the floor and pull clothes. I always had a connection at the makeup counter. And she was so brilliant. And she was wearing beige. And I remember the day that I put her in a red jacket and had her makeup done. And she was so brilliant and so confident. But she just looked at me and said, I feel like a different person. And she really was the one I always did this process that we have since we have a methodology that I really always did, but she was the first one to say, you have a gift. Can you, and we all got laid off on March 30th. And I went to her home on April 1st. So my company really started on April 1st. And she said, show me what you do. And I think it must've been eight hours later, 20 trash bags of clothes. I cleaned out her closet. I helped her shop in her closet. The same thing that we do, the consultants that work here do every day. And that's how it started. So when she told me, okay, you're going to start your business, I remember going home and I had just gotten married. We had no money. And I said, this is the entrepreneur in me. And I read an article. I was always a big reader. I'm still a big reader. And I read this article about consignment stores. And I hadn't even heard of this before. So 
I went into my closet and I said, what is the most expensive thing that I own that I can sell? And it was my wedding dress. I did keep the husband. <laughs> and you kept the ring because I would think that probably was worth even more. But you I decided- kept the ring. <laughs> I kept the husband. But the interesting part of the wedding dress story is how, and I didn't know it at the time, how well it fits into our philosophy of using the things that you need on the day that they were intended, using them as a tool of confidence. And then when you don't need them anymore, you know, we really, the best dressed men and women, we work with both men and women that I know have the fewest amount of clothes, Lorraine. I have learned so much from my clients, the ones that are, I've been blessed with really serving some incredible men and women. And you study them, these leaders, and you see the quick decision-making, how they don't want a lot of stuff around them. So back to the dress, it really did frame the company so beautifully. Again, I didn't know it at the time. I was really just in need of cash, but I ended up buying a used computer and I bought memberships, one membership. I could only afford one, but I, and my dad was so great. I remember he was just such a great, strong mentor for me, but he uh-huh. said, plant your seeds where you want them to grow. He's like, no more of this fashion stuff. You've got that. He's like, you've got to get around people that can afford your services. So I bought a membership. It was $200. And that was a ton of money for me at the time, especially coming off of my computer purchase and my business card purchase. And I joined New England Women Business Owners. And again, one of my lifelong, I loved your episode on your entrepreneurial truths. One of my truths is plant your seeds where you want them to grow. And I love that and so much. Up. And Lorraine, we're like birds in a feather. You show up and I pay for that membership. And then it was $25 a month on top of that to go to the dinners. And I showed up. I was so young. And the other thing that I did was I volunteered my time. I had a PR background and I raised my hand to be on the PR committee. And what that allowed me to do, it gained me even more access to the members who were being interviewed for the newsletter, whatever. But I used to physically go to their office to do the interview. And through that process, and again, I don't think I did it as strategically as it sounds, again, there was no Zoom that you could pop on, but I would go to their office and interview them. And I was looking back for another speaking engagement I did recently. And I think out of that initial group of women that I interviewed that year, eight of them became clients. So it's all about being connected. I love that. And you and I discovered right before this podcast that we both have connectedness as our number one strength, our zone of genius and the strengths finder. And I didn't know you had a PR background, but of course, you know, that's my background, journalism, PR as well. But you didn't stay. Well, first of all, let's let's talk a little bit about the wardrobe consulting because you're still doing that um, to some extent, but you're not as active in the business. You wrote a book. Tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, the book also from a PR and you know, I know I'm taught, preaching to the choir here, but the book was also just one of those magical moments, Lorraine. I have a degree in journalism and it was my goal to write a book and I did it in a very naive way. I pitched on my own, all these publishers, I got rejected, rejected, rejected. And then when the book came out in 2004, I had a speaking engagement in Connecticut 
And this woman just approached me and she said, I love your approach and your methodology, and I really want to work with you. And at that time, I was doing a ton of corporate consulting and seminars, and I had somebody on my team doing a lot of the, the private. And it was one of those moments where I like, you know, when you have to like really put your stick in the sand and say, I'm yeah. not more private clients. And she just would not let up. And she said, how about if I come to your office? And at the time we had an office outside, I work from home now. And she said, so I did the process with her kind of in my office, which I had never really done. And then I took her shopping, like just in Boston. And she said, my sister's an agent. You have something here. Oh my gosh. You should have my sister who became my agent, who it was just, and I remember when she said, you have a book, I was so like, oh, not that I had already gone through that. Yeah, you're like, not again. That was awful. So I talked to Meredith and Meredith was a New Yorker. Tough is just tough, tough, tough. And of course, again, something else your listeners might find value in. I didn't just, you know, go and pitch the publisher. I did everything that Meredith, Meredith, I, we were talking before coaching has always been something I've taken very seriously. She became my mentor and my coach. I love it. I had so much media at that point and I was super organized. I had saved all of the clippings and I had already had New York times at that point, wall street journal. I just had a knack for PR early on and we did a newsletter that we mailed out seasonally And one of the investments I made in my company really early on, and it wasn't even a lot of money, but again, back then it was $500. I bought a media list and I sent the newsletter to the media list. I remember $500 media lists. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I knew the power of the soundbite and I knew the power of what, because I pitched, I was, you know, I did media for a lot before I started my business and my strength was pitching. And I came up with a top 10 list for spring. We had client profiles. We had do's and don'ts. One of my do's and don'ts made it into real simple, which was so exciting. That is Um, so cool. So she knew that I knew media. Yeah. She said, hire my niece, Lindsay, who's amazing. One of my great friends. I do collect friends, Lorraine. I have a feeling we're going to be good friends. Um, (laughs) So I hired her niece, Lindsay, who is an amazing writer and Again, another investment, another big takeaway for your viewers too. I mean, I loved your episode on your entrepreneurial truths. One of mine is another one of mine is invest in yourself. And when you invest in yourself, other people invest back in you. Mm -hmm. So I gave Lindsay to do the book proposal. And I already had the framework of the book because remember, I've been writing the newsletter for so long. Oh, yeah. All the media clippings. So Meredith came back and said, my birthday's July 4th. And I remember her saying, I will have a book deal for you on June 30th, or I cannot help you. And we sent it out to 20. I got three bites. We went with Penguin, which was so exciting for me. It was a you know huge birthday celebration because it was a big, I think I was turning 40. And I remember, but then what they don't tell you, Lorraine, you probably know because you're in the business, then you have to write the book. <laughs> Oh, damn. <laughs> You're like, and I had little kids. My kids were two oh, years old. Gosh, yeah. That became another epic journey in the entrepreneurial story. But once the book was birthed, and I always say it was harder than birthing twin boys, the magic started because all of a sudden, I had also, again, going back to plant your seeds where you want them to grow. Mm-hmm. I had already had my foot pretty deep in the corporate world. 
And I probably spoke at every single woman's network there was, and I got paid to speak. So I went to the law firms and financial services firms, all those Mm -hmm. that paid speakers. And then again, I was incredibly strategic. They got the book was included. So the publisher loved me. I did go on a book tour. And that's another myth that I will break for your viewers. They do not pay. I didn't get a dime from the publisher. I had to do it on my own. They pay for Oprah. They pay for Bill Clinton. They pay for every everybody. That's a big name to go out a book tour, but they don't pay for us, as you know. But I went into three markets, Chicago, Dallas, and I was already in Boston. And I said, I did a trade with a PR person in every in Dallas and in Chicago. Oh, Chicago. cool. Yeah, that's so and, smart. Yeah. So I did the trade with them. So I did their closet, did shopped with them. And the gal in Chicago got it done big for us. We spoke I had a sold out crowd at Barnes and Noble and I got on every morning show. She did a phenomenal job for us. And so that was a lot of hard work. And that was back to investing in yourself. But when I came back, I ended up landing because of the PR. I got three significant clients, which started to take me away from just being a stylist into growing my business. My biggest client, believe it or not, with an assisted living company, assisted high, high end, assisted assisted living. The marketing person heard me on a radio show in Boston and they loved authors. They loved lifestyle authors. And I was hired to, of course, who do you think their target audience is? It's the 45 to 65 year old Mm -hmm. daughter making the decision for where mom and dad are going. So I went up and down the East coast for them and did three to five, a talk, 30 minute talk. This leads into my methodology, which to your view, your listeners, like a methodology will also just really set you up for success. Have to have a methodology. Yep. Yeah. I had a five-step process that we still use to this day. We're now online with it, but I just went and could belt out my five steps of my process, sign a book. They would get treated to the beautiful dinner at these places. So I had it down pat, did most of them. I'm in Boston. I did most of them in Rhode Island and Connecticut. Yeah. In my car at three o'clock, I had my little babies at home and I would get on site at five o'clock. I would start speaking at 530. I would be done at six. I would sign at six to 630. They would then take the folks on a tour and give them dinner back in my Batmobile, as I called it. And I would be home by nine o'clock. Yeah, I did that. So that was like one of the, I think when you do take on something like writing a book, starting an online class now is similar. You have to think it through. I always reverse engineer. But it's one of my favorite expressions, reverse engineer where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. From where you start. Right. So that that's kind of the story on the book. And it just, you know, the other interesting thing is a lot of men, like I did a lot of financial services. It was just interesting how many men, it just added zeros to your paycheck if you were an author, mostly with the guys. Women still want to, you know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. There's perceived value, you're in. Women still want to, I don't know why we do that to one another, but I find that women, a lot of women still wanted me to do the speaking for free. And the men just kind of got the interesting. Pass. It was very interesting. So I started to go towards industries that weren't going to nickel and dime me, which ended up being law, financial services, HR consulting. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. So talk a little bit about how the book kind of, well, how you went from book 
to Facebook group and mm-hmm. online course, which I know you're getting ready to relaunch. That's coming up, right? The course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that five times a year. Yep. Yeah. So let's pull that thread. And then I want to go into your executive coaching as well. Okay. So I was moving along. My kids were getting older. I joined an executive coaching firm that had been referring a lot of business to us. We developed a strategic partnership, all legal, you know, all buttoned up, legalized everything. It took several months to put the deal together, but that was phenomenal. I was at the time, we're very small. We're still very small. There's only five of us here. And I was starting to be a speaker or a corporate presenter. There was just so much paperwork and contracts. Mm -hmm. So I ended up becoming their executive image consultant. That's how they positioned me. And I went all over the country with them. It was so awesome, Lorraine. So I referred to myself as uh, plug and play. They oftentimes would. So how it worked was if they had a private client, they oftentimes would give them a day with me or two days with me. Mm. I'm just smiling because I was in that partnership for seven years and there was never one never one icky moment. And I think it was part of it was because it was so buttoned up from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I stayed in my lane. I delivered what I said, and I was not a pain in the butt. Yeah. Pretty much deploy me. I had really good boundaries. I think boundaries is something that most women entrepreneurs, I've had to work on that over the years, but yeah, we struggle with it, right? Because we're people pleasers. A lot of times. And I remember at the time I had was working with a coach myself and she was like, you've got to get good with boundaries. You've got to get better (laughs) with boundaries. And I remember using that, that job or that partnership to really take those new skills for a test drive and it worked. So I would not get involved with any of the scuttlebutt. I would go in, do my job. I was always independent. I love to travel, but the beauty was that with image, I so say that most of their coaching agreements were one year, two year. And these were very seasoned executives. And it was not people right. braced professional image or even thought they had an issue with it. But they <laughs> would bring me in and they would package me in in a very eloquent way. And I would go in. And what was so cool was once people started feeling better, I would just give them back to their coach. And they would show up differently because of the work I did. So it was very gratifying. And then part of that contract, I would do seminars with them. And then baked into the contract, they did as part of their marketing, they did eight or nine a year, all in a couple of them were Florida, but mostly were Boston. And they would give me a half a day to do my thing. Wow, that's so great. Oh, it was so great. So part of it was I was selling for them. So I was okay. I went to their sales meeting. I got a commission that I closed for them. So that was kind of cool. And then they really used me in a really strategic way where if they had somebody that was really being held back because of image, they allowed my team to go in and do some of the coaching, which was very generous. But they would call me and say, you know, we've got this guy, senior leader. He's not going to go up any further if he doesn't understand some of the subtle and not so subtle messages. So that's where the coaching really came in. So I got certified on their particular coaching. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of them asked me, can you be my coach? You know, so that was kind of flattering. But again, I really honored the agreement I had with them. I really honored the boundaries very strongly. But it was always in the back of my head, like, wow, what I'm doing is so much more. And a lot of it went back to that being connected, knowing how to read the room. And knowing how to make meet people where they're at 
to use this tool, which don't even get me on my soapbox, <laughs> of image as a tool of confidence and energy and respect and just all the cool things that I always used it as. But mm-hmm. when you can meet somebody that has struggled with that, and we're talking real, there's a lot on the table, like promotions. For lot, sure. You know, yeah. I worked with this one guy, I'm smiling, you know, he did a TED talk after we worked together. And, you know, again, his, his coach helped him massage the messaging, but he called me to help to review it. You know, there was just so many nuggets in that time. So I did that for seven years. And the really cool thing, I'm a mom, a mom first. I was with them kind of taking the pressure off a lot of the contracts. I still had my private clients. I was still running my team, still doing Mm -hmm. my marketing, still doing my foundation, still doing all the things that I love to do. Because I had like a first, it was first time I ever had like a schedule, Lorraine. Like I knew I had eight public programs for them. I knew that I had to clear my schedule if somebody came up, which I love because I love energy like that. I love when- I do too. I do too, yeah. Not everyone does, but it's good for people to pivot because yeah, who wants the same day every day? Not me. Right. So that beautiful contract came to a grinding halt over the pandemic. So there was some things going on there too. It was a seven-year run. There was some things that I saw. The writing was on the wall. So it wasn't all pandemic driven. There was a lot of changes in the marketplace going on at that time. So I had decided to get certified. I knew coaching was something that I was really passionate about for two reasons. Not only because I was connecting with very senior people that were asking me my opinion on things. Yeah, which is um, cool. Yeah, and boundaries were important. But also I had this team of young stylists that I love to coach and mentor. And I was running a foundation with volunteers. So coaching to me and everyone I talked to was like, you're a coach anyway. So I was already certified on this particular methodology that was awesome that I was working in. And I said, I'm going to do this for me. So as I shared with you before we jumped on the call, I took the profit out of the company for (laughs) 2019 and paid in full because it was a nice discount for this coaching program that started in June. And then the pandemic hit. And I don't know if I would have, to be quite honest, I would have gone, but I had already committed and I got certified as a coach. And I think I explained to you that I took on my own, not through the coaching program. My husband had said, have you ever done that Clifton Strengths? And I was like, (laughs) no, tell me about that. So I went online and took it. And I came up, Lorraine and I are the same. We, number one strength is connectedness. And I never owned it before. And what a gift that was in the middle of the pandemic where we were 80% in person. And all of a sudden I had to look at my infrastructure differently. I had to look at we're running, but I had these amazing people that I had spent years and years and years, whether I was getting paid or not, to be quite honest, I shouldn't say this as an entrepreneur, but I don't always lead with the money. I I just don't. Well, none of us go into business for the money. I mean, you know, we want to get paid. We're in a business. However, that's not what drives us. It's usually passion or wanting to serve. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So that was the pivot. I went through this executive coaching program, which was very scary for me. It was the first cohort that this particular program, this 40 of us went, did on Zoom. So that was cool being part of the first Zoom class, but it was probably, I was sharing with Lorraine out of the 40, there was 30 men, 10 women. It was intimidating. You had to get in breakout rooms. I had never used Zoom that way before. It was very intimidating. You had to, you know, do a lot of mock coaching sessions, live yeah. group. It was way out of my comfort zone. But I ended up meeting five women 
in that group, we just started a mastermind that the coaching was, you got your certification after a week. It was much easier than I was supposed to go to Florida, you know, pack a suitcase. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I went on camera at nine. I was done at five o'clock. I had lunch. I'm a dog lover. I walked my dog every day at lunchtime. It was like this whole new way of being. And I was like, oh my goodness. I've always wanted to start a group, something with my amazing clients. Yeah. Takeaway was how to start a group coaching. And I just did it, Lorraine. I got on the phone like the old fashioned way. And I said, I made a list of 12 of our clients that I thought would all get along with one another and would value one another. Mm -hmm. And I said, if I get eight to say yes, then I'm going to do it. And I ended up getting 11 out of the 12. I think I did get eight out of the 12 and then a couple different, you know, people were introducing me to people. So I launched, everything was all about 2021. Like we were running out of money. So I launched that. I got the money. I gave them a huge discount to join pay in full. I launched it as a pilot. So I did all the marketing, all the smart. I learned a lot of that in a yeah. coaching thing that I was in. And then I said, oh my goodness, now I have to get to work. I just saved our cash flow. But now I have to look at this beautiful methodology that we have, and I need to pivot online for two reasons. First of all, I didn't know how long the pandemic was going to last. Second of all, I had a team of consultants that needed to work. And third, I needed to bulletproof my company. I got caught with my pants down, Lorraine. I- well, I think so many people did. I mean, it's really hard to have a business that relies on in-person and think that there would ever be a time where that wouldn't be possible. So I, you know, kudos to you for recognizing it and being able to make the pivot. But I think that was true for, I mean, especially as we've seen, like, you know, bricks and mortar clothing places and restaurants, especially, oh, you know, right. some were able to pivot to do d- delivery, but yeah, being able, you know, we never know what is going to be thrown our way, but it's how we react to it that really shows our metal, right? Who Absolutely. we are. Yep. It was resiliency at its best. It was like, you are not taking this from me. You are not. I am. This is my life. I was doing this business 10 years before I was even a mom. And I did have a male accountant at the time, who's no longer my accountant, tell me to just take a break. I've got two children in college. This is not a hobby. I've made, you know, we are a two income family. This was never a hobby ever. And I was like, wow, I have people relying on me to figure this out for them. And that was it for me. The light just went on and I just, we did a couple of really smart things early on, which I, again, it's that connectedness. I didn't even know it. I was doing it, but I, I just got on the phone. I reached out to every client and I didn't talk about me. I talked about them. I said, how are you doing? Like I, I knew there was some people that were in really, really dicey situations And then I found out that some people weren't. Some people were so stressed out about what they were going to wear on Zoom that they were just really good information. And then we went out. So now it's March. Our busiest months are March, April, May. And we have the whole calendar booked. Everyone did exactly what they were supposed to do in a pre-pandemic world. Uh And we were pay on service, Lorraine. We at that time, which has also changed so we got paid after we delivered the service. Mm-hmm. So I was, we had, you know, two, we were running the executive coaching and I had, that was contracted. So that was one piece of revenue, but the other piece of revenue, which was huge 
was I had a team of consultants getting, they were being, their clients were being invoiced once a month after the service was completed. So I went out and for the first time, another piece of advice I got probably from my dad way back, don't discount your services. So we had never discounted our services. We'd give a lot, we'd give a lot Mm -hmm. of extras, but I went out to not the top, top, but the middle tier client, Mm -hmm. we sold spring with a discount. And if I had waited one more week to do that, because it was right at the time when people thought the pandemic was a couple weeks. Mm, Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had a really savvy, I've always had a bookkeeper in my arsenal of support. And my bookkeeper was like, let's sell them as gift certificates. She was brilliant. So we sold them as gift certificates. We had thousands of dollars coming in for that one, like, because I think I had all the stylists tee them up and I personally sent them. They came from my email and we had like an outstanding response to that email. So I just want to comment on that because for our listeners who are, I think it's like 90% women Mm -hmm. business owners, this is really important. So, you know, we may not see another 2020, let's hope to God we don't. However, there are always things that rock the boat. So there was the big recession, 2007, 2008, you know, there's things that change. Like we saw the online education, like you said, in 2020, I was in the same group as you. Everybody was like, okay, I'm stuck at home. I need to make sure that I'm really doing well marketing online, but knowing and being able to think creatively. Yes. First we panic, but then we need to think creatively about how are we going to continue to sustain our business? And to do that, we probably have to do something we've never done before. So I just think Mary Lou is dropping a lot of gold about how to think about that and the fact that she got a creative input from her bookkeeper. So that's another lesson here. Your team really drives the engine of your business And everybody has a different perspective. Bring those perspectives to the table and have those conversations because that was brilliant. And so you promoted that, you called people, you sent out an email and it went really well. Mm -hmm. And it was also well-timed. We also, to your point about team, we, during the pandemic, we got on a call every Monday at 10 o'clock. And we usually they were two hour meetings, which were long for us. We were one hour. It's usually. And it was unbelievable. The energy of team, because we were image consultants, stylists. These women were forced to go on Zoom. We got really good with virtual. And every week there was progress, Lorraine. And even though there was a lot of stress on me, I was there to be a cheerleader for them. I had women that were homeschooling their kids at the time. Yeah. It was a lot. But we got, a, I love that you say that about team. And then Lori came up with the gift certificate. Sarah's like, I can get you a list of my top 10 clients. Even Kathy Smith, who was a lot of her clients came into our group coaching. You know, we didn't talk about that yet, but we started group coaching. And Kathy was like, oh, I can do, you know, 10 people on my client list would be perfect for that. Sarah's like, 10 people would be great for 90 days to start yeah. the inaugural. So yes, we came together as a team and we ate a little bit of the elephant every single week and we measured it. We had goals. Even today, I was on a team. We we're talking on a Monday. We just had our team meeting at 10. I knew I had- we, we have ours at 10 on Monday and we have another one at noon on Friday to do a checkout. 
exactly what we do. And I just sent out a top five for the week, which I always do. I just recapped what everybody shared. And I said, this is our, because you have to keep it focused. But I, that came out of the pandemic. I became a better leader. Mm-hmm. I much better with my time. And I also let other people do. And they did phenomenal things for our clients, for themselves, for their families. We were already all working at home. So we could counsel people, our clients a little bit about, you know, the dog barking and all that kind of stuff. So we, even though it was hard, there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears. There was a lot of craziness. As you know, we stuck to what we did really well, which serving our clients. And you asked me before, one of the most significant things I did, and it was one of the scariest things things I did, Lorraine and I were both in the same coaching program, is my coach in that program said, get on Facebook immediately, get on Facebook Live. And I was like, what? Are you crazy? And she said, all your clients are on Facebook. They're all home. You need to connect with them. And I turned the camera on in my office. I didn't know what I was doing. And I had 30 people on the call, 60 people on the call. Like it was crazy. And then Mm -hmm. I said, I got so wigged out that I, of course, me being me, I had to structure it. So now we have a dynamic that's, if any of your listeners would like to join, we have a incredible Facebook group. I am so proud of it. It is my joy. It's called Beyond Dressing Well. We go live every Wednesday night at seven o'clock. It is a program. I have guests. It's my podcast, Lorraine. We do show and tell and it gives me an anchor in my week. It yeah. Me joy. So there's a lot that goes into it. But when I turn the camera on, it's even in the middle of the pandemic when it was so stressful, seven to seven thirty on Wednesday night was my time to connect, share, give. It started as a give back. It just started as like, let's connect with people that are home. And it's fun. And it's just been one of the best things I have ever done is that Facebook group. And now that we're doing that, we're back. I'm like, yeah, that up. It's fun. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't give that up. So I want to make sure that we have time to talk a little bit about the coaching program. So can you talk a little bit about why you started it and what that looks like and who it's for? So the why, the what, the who. Great. So again, it came out of the pandemic, but I had always, because of the caliber of clients that we are really privileged to serve, I had a lot of very senior executive women who, you know, self-care, giving, a lot of concepts were just foreign to them. And I said, what if I put together these women and do what we do in a group setting? So I reached out and had them come in and we run, we have two now. We started with Thrive in 2021. I think I mentioned it briefly, but it's a group coaching and our pillars are personal development, which really is the styling and all that fun stuff, Mm -hmm. professional development, which is the executive presence piece that we do. And it's also public speaking, manners, organization, all that professional development stuff, LinkedIn profile. We cover it all. The third pillar is networking. Okay. Fourth pillar is self care. And the fifth pillar is giving back. So, we, I also run a foundation. I started the foundation in 2016 to celebrate one of our anniversaries, I think our 20th anniversary of the firm. And so, it's just been 
such a joy for me to test out my some new skills that I didn't realize I had. And <laughs> I don't think I would have had the, I really, I was saying to Lorraine, the connect this, if, if you haven't taken that Clifton Strengths, do yourself a favor and do it. It's really easy. You just go on the website and it prints out a report pretty quickly once you take it. But I leaned into connectedness and it has been an absolute joy. I always wanted to do a a retreat. So we've done two retreats, really high end. They're both, they're done in November and they celebrate. So the coaching program is 12 months and it's once a month. And then we do an enrichment once a month group coaching, once a month enrichment. So it's a, I'll bring in a makeup artist, a Reiki specialist, a nutritionist. We've had LinkedIn specialists on the softer skills. And then we also get together in person twice a year and we do a retreat. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So the first time you, and did you launch this with like a free, what do I want to say like a challenge or something like that, what we call live launching now, or how did you get that first group of people into your program? So that's something we talk a lot about too. Like we always hear from people once they have something successful, but how did you start bringing people in? Okay. So at the same time, I was launching 90 Days to Stellar Style, which is our signature program that teaches our methodology in three months. That group follows our five-step methodology. They meet every two weeks. They get private one-on-one coaching and a private Facebook group. It's robust. I knew I had to live launch to fill that, Lorraine. I knew that that was going to be the heavy, heavy lift, and it is. Thrive, I did it one by one. Something that your listeners might want to take away is the concept of containers. So I thought, wow, I have this group that already knows me and trusts me. I already had the, what's that? The, the no like and, like and trust. trust. I already had that. So I went out to them one-on-one and said, and it was scary. It wasn't easy. They knew me as a stylist primarily. Mm-hmm. I'm putting together this group of eight to 12 senior executive women to really go deep on professional development, personal development, self-care, networking, and giving back. Explained it, had a one-pager at the ready. And I, that's how I sold it. So I did that okay. invitation only. So, and then the other thing that was really cool is now that I have this container, like Neiman Marcus in Boston called me and said, would you like to come in with a group in our new event space? When you have a container of people that are already a group, you can sell things in a much more efficient way. Yes. Now I don't have to like do an email and like be scraping to sell the spots they get that opportunity as part of their membership. And I just show up with these amazing women and it's easy. The so lot- you have a, you, let me just to clarify, just I want to ask a clarifying question. So you have a general free Facebook group and mm-hmm. then you have a Facebook group for the women that are in your program container. Two program containers. Yes, yes. we have a private Facebook group for Thrive, which is the tagline for that group is women committed to change and growth. That's my executive coaching circle. Mm -hmm. We have a private Facebook group for 90 days to stellar style. So you come into that group. That group is eight to 12 people per cohort. And you get, you're in a, you get taught. We now have it on videotape. You get each module is dripped to you. 
Then you go into a group coaching, which they love with Sarah Zengo. One of my stylists runs that entire program, which was another leap of faith. You know, I had to, I don't do anything other than sell that program. Sarah runs the program. And then I have two other stylists that support it. So if you're in that program, Lorraine, you get the five modules dripped to you. You get support in a private Facebook group, which people love. You get every two weeks So six total group coaching. And then the coolest, coolest part of that program and the game changer is you get three private one-on-one virtual styling sessions. So I love that. And it's a small group. That's a really, I was thinking you maybe had a couple hundred people, but you're really working intimately. And I love that. Here's another takeaway for listeners. When everybody is doing something the same way, and we see so many programs where people are just trying to bring in, you know, 100, 200, 300 people, a great way to differentiate is to go the other direction and say, our group is capped at 12 people, or whatever your number is, it could be 20, it could be 50. And that enables us to go deeper with each person. Because what happens in those bigger programs is, you kind of get lost and people don't even really know if you're showing up. But if you're one of eight or 10 or 20, someone's going to notice if you're not there and and probably check in and say, you know, what's going on. So I just wanted to call that out because I think that that is really interesting and a way to differentiate is to do something that is opposite of the current paradigm in your market. Yeah, thank you. And the other really cool part of that program is not only do they get the one-on-one time with a stylist, they then get seven to 10 curated shopping links every month. So they're charged with going into their closet and really decluttering it. And they're taught how to do that. The second lesson is find your fit. So we send them back in the closet. So they've already gotten rid of the dead wood. And then they're training their eye to understand what cuts in our whole philosophy is clothing should fit you. You shouldn't have to fit the clothes. Right. Go back in. Lesson number three is refresh your capsule wardrobe. The magic is right there. So then they go back in and they, with their stylist and say, where are the gaps? Their Mm -hmm. stylist is tracking it, Lorraine, saying you need new jeans. You need new cool sneakers in your job or whatever. You need outerwear because you're traveling again. And then the stylist three times in this program goes and sends you shopping links, you shop for them, then you get back on the phone and do a fashion show with her. So by the end of that program, then they get an accessories lesson. It follows our methodology. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So that's what that program does. And yes, it is small on purpose because I have to have the stylist support. And we've made a couple changes. We find that they really love the group program when it's done in unison with the Facebook group. So they can do the group lesson go do their homework, and then they can show off their outfits that they've made. And Facebook and get and support one another. I love that. And we will have a link to that program. So if you're listening to this and you're driving right now, when you get back, you know, just bookmark this page and go back, check the show notes, and you'll get a link to Mary Lou's programs and whatever other things that she wants to share with you. We'll make sure all of that is below. So Mary Lou, this has been, and I knew going in that we could have had this conversation 
all day long because we have very similar backgrounds. We have the same, well, except the fashion, no fashion experience here, but my daughter majored in fashion merchandising and she went to school in Paris for a while and had her postgraduate internship there. So she got that fashion gene, but I love how you look at things. I love your creativity. I love that you are so resourceful. I never could have sold my wedding dress. I still have my wedding dress. Like who wants my wedding dress? I don't know. Probably no one. It's in a box somewhere in my attic, but I really admire all of that. And I think that I took notes. I rarely take notes when I'm interviewing someone for my podcast, but you dropped a lot of gold today. I think this was a great episode. And of course, as entrepreneurs are listening and knowing what to value, I also want to ask you when you think about, you know, you got through the pandemic by pulling yourself up and just saying, I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm going to figure it out. And you did. What does it really mean, though, for you to prosper? Such a great question. Two things come to mind. First of all, I was always told as a kid, I grew up in a very academic family, three other siblings that were, I think I have learning disabilities, to be honest, I always had the creativity gene. And I was told I was too sensitive, you know, I was, you know, those kind of things. So to prosper, to pull my creativity, my sensitivity, and my strong resiliency, which I did learn in my family. To pull those gifts in a way that serve others is extraordinary. When I think, you know, I think back on, and I've pushed myself into some pretty uncomfortable situations where I've just, I have incredible faith. I really, a lot of times will just pray and say, if I'm supposed to share a message, please let it come to me. Like, let me go into the situation and let it work. And 99% of the time it does. And when it doesn't, you're learning an even bigger lesson, as you know. Right. But yeah. I remember early with the executive coaching firm that I told you I had just a blessed partnership with for seven years, the first time they put me in front of their clients to talk on this enormous topic of executive and personal presence, they were very nervous. And I had to practice and practice and go and do all this test run. And I was down the Cape. It was in the summer. It was at the beautiful Chatham Bars Inn. And I was super intimidated. It was mostly men in the audience. And we had rehearsed all my answers to most of the questions that they were going to ask. And the first question was this gentleman in the audience asked me, what is your biggest pet peeve about executive presence? It was completely off the cuff. I wasn't prepared. And I just dug deep and I just said the most authentic thing. And it has become a signature talk for me. I said, when people dismiss it as not being relevant. And that got me so the trust, the, I could see people changing. They were, I reframed a topic in a way that made sense to the audience. And that's, I guess, when you say, you know, how to, to prosper is to be able to be in a room and read the audience and give them valuable information, but not take yourself so seriously either. But I have been blessed and then fast forward to after the pandemic. So the Chatham Bars Inn, you're not from this area. It is the most exclusive place to hold a retreat. I've spoken there. I held my first retreat with my Thrive Women's Leadership at the Chatham Bars Inn because I said, I'm either going to go big or go home. And that was the reverse engineering. When I invited those women to go on this journey, it was untested. I had confidence in myself that I was going to be able to give them 
a really yeah, what they needed. Yeah. I anchored it with, I didn't even tell them, but in my head, that was the reverse engineer. I said, this will be successful if we all end up at the Chatham Bars Inn at the spa doing our professional and personal development in the beautiful rooms there, walking. And I had it all in my head. And I think that's what it is to be a visionary and entrepreneurship to me. When you say, how do you prosper? It's putting all the true pieces of yourself, my sensitivity that was frankly mocked, my creativity that I never had that much confidence in. And then to find out at the beginning of the pandemic that connectivity is your superpower and you never realize that. And then you go into this dark moment and you say, I know how to connect with people. I have a message. I'm just going to shift. I'm going to reach out to people and put them in containers in this moment of time that serve them in this moment in time. And I'm going to work really hard, but I'm going to sit back and not rest on my laurels because I've never done that, but I'm going to try to watch the magic and give myself permission to say, I did that. Even a pandemic can't take that from me. Relationships are real. And if you show up and you serve people over and over and you give more than you get, that's to me what it means to prosper. Thank you so much, Mary Lou. Mary Lou Andre, everyone check the show notes below for more information on how you can participate in her programs and learn more about her. Thank you so much for being with us today, Mary Lou. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.